Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include how LOs are helping borrowers, my interview with Jane Mason, CEO of Clarifier, on the current servicing landscape, and investors are beginning to realize the seriousness of the Fed's commitment to getting inflation back down to 2%. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, MCT, and its hedge advisory. As the industry leader in pull-through analytics and best execution with the highest staff-to-client ratio, lenders of every size trust MCT to manage risk and optimize profitability in their mortgage loan pipeline management. The non-QM product channel is there to help LOs help borrowers, but that segment continues to face an uphill battle. What are borrowers supposed to think when even Yahoo comes out with a headline saying U.S. mortgage lenders are starting to go bankrupt? How non-QM loans could be triggering the worst surge of failures since 2008. Really? Other product development continues too. One wonders about reverse discrimination, but if you're black or Latinx in Dallas, Bank of America has a 0% down loan. Ribbon, the home ownership company, expanded Ribbon Reserve and is offering first-time home buyers a 12-month price lock on a home, providing more time to secure financing at the best possible terms. Ribbon purchases a home on behalf of a buyer with up to 12 months to secure financing at the best terms for them. Ribbon then leases the home to the buyer, then sells back with a guaranteed home price lock for 12 months. Ribbon-backed offers allow home buyers to make an all-cash offer on their dream home, waiving mortgage appraisal and home sale contingencies. Ribbon's guarantee close and appraisal protection gives buyers, sellers, and agents certainty in the home buying process. For the link to all those stories, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Jane Mason, CEO and founder of Clarifier. She's the original visionary behind Clarifier, a business process automation technology delivered through full-service modern cloud infrastructure. Clarifier was launched in 2007, just in time to help large banking organizations manage volumes and velocity of change during the Great Recession. Since then, it has become one of the most popular and fastest-growing technologies used in the mortgage servicing industry, and is today helping servicers overcome industry disruption created by the pandemic and natural disasters. With Clarifier, servicers can buy proven processes and build their own processes all in one application. As a self-made entrepreneur and leader of a woman-owned business, Jane serves as a mentor and strong advocate to women aspiring to become entrepreneurs themselves, particularly within the financial technology industry. Can you talk about the overall servicing landscape that you're seeing right now? I, I know values have gone up over the course of this year. Maybe a lot of the buyers out there have already hit their quotas, uh, and, and we've actually seen caps on values. What are you seeing from your perspective? Well, what we're hearing from our customers is that there are opportunities in the HELOC world, for example, because of the increased equity in the um, properties. But there's also borrowers that are still struggling because of the change in the mix of their work and the fact that they're salaries may not have increased with the increasing inflation. And I think that we need to all pay attention to the fact that the interest rates will probably rise again. And we are facing a recession. And I think part of the uh, use of automation is, I would say, adding power to the servicer community being able to deal with what's what's ahead. 
So I, I think that there's rental properties that have issues because the rent has gone up and the salaries have not. I think there's borrowers that didn't totally understand their workouts and they didn't, you know, some think that they were forgiven and they weren't forgiven. They actually have to pay. I think there's, you know, a lot of education that we need to be uh, addressing like right now. And I think there's another aspect to servicing because many servicers are servicing multifamily properties. So we need to make sure you're looking around. It's not your single family home residential um, mortgages that are at issue. I think it's going to be your rental properties and your multifamily as well. So keeping that all in mind and making sure that you have processes and visibility in place is going to be important. You were quoted in a recent national mortgage news story that many homeowners who rolled off forbearance have not been able to meet their trial payments and are falling off completely in their payments. What would you say that means for servicers? And do you expect a substantial increase in mortgage default and foreclosures, at least in the short term, or are we looking at long-term implications? Wow, that's a loaded question, but I do have some answers for us. I do believe that there's a lack of data associated with our borrower population coming off of forbearance, going into um, trying to go into loan mods, trying to make their trial payments and then not being able to flip to final modifications. So one of the things that we're offering to our customers is a solution to help with their planning on the the potential rising foreclosure activity, and, um, which obviously includes delinquencies. I think the smart servicers in our industry have already looked at, oh, we, we, we need to brush off our foreclosure processes because of the moratoriums, you know, for the last two years. And we need to make sure everything's modernized. And one of the ways to do that is to do pre-foreclosure recommendation QC, and what does that mean? From our perspective, we have done the automation associated with taking your loans and identifying by and grouping them by investor type and running them through the metrics that we're looking for related to the delinquencies. And it's also going to provide the benefits of creating the breach letters where this where the application the automation finds the delinquencies and finds the way the metrics that are needed to proceed by investor type and by the state um, recommendations and state rules taking that and using it to automatically launch and send breach letters automatically cancel, pre-foreclosure and foreclosure activities if they're in like a FEMA hold or if they're paid off or if they're in bankruptcy or in loss mitigation. So what I'm saying in layperson's terms is we're taking your portfolio and analyzing the metrics that are required for predicting which ones are actually going to proceed with that delinquency, which means you have to manage the foreclosures. And so while by taking the automation, using it to analyze the metrics and the state of each one of those loans, you can automatically launch and generate the breach letters, automatically cancel or rebreach based on the timelines and manage the expiration of the breach and then move right into foreclosure pretty seamlessly and pretty rapidly. So I think that, yes, 
there is a substantial increase in the potential of these delinquencies and the servicers really need to be paying attention to how they're going to deal with it. And the one solution that we've tried to implement was the use the automation so you know what you're dealing with, add the visibility and make sure that you have a plan. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time for servicing because for a lot of companies, having the servicing asset on their portfolio has really helped with cash flows here in 2022 as we've seen margins and volumes decrease. Servicers today are increasingly focused on acquiring mortgage servicing rights uh, for that reason. You know, they're also handling non-performing loans, managing compliance. How can process automation help in each of these areas? Well, it's a similar approach. You're taking, if you're onboarding a new portfolio, you would run similar activities, meaning you can run automation that will take the portfolio of loans and identify the state each loan is in, mean, the state meaning the status, you know, were they, are they newbies? Did they just get onboarded or are they in loss mitigation? Are they coming off of forbearance? What, what state are they in? So identifying that and then moving from that to identifying what automation that you need to implement to look at the metrics associated with the CFPB. So if you do an MSR transfer, you want to actually look at the characteristics as best you can from the data that you receive and then make some decisions accordingly. So go back to the whole pre-foreclosure QC recommendation approach. What you're looking at is a basic QC of your MSR transfer, figuring out the state of the loans and the number of uh, loans in each state, and then applying the current CFPB key observations to it. So an example would be you can look at the call center hold times. You can't look at that because that's not going to be in an MSR um, transfer, but you can look at the delinquency at the time of a forbearance exit very, very critical to the approach towards what are you going to run the pre-foreclosure recommendation? What have the breach letters been sent? How far along are they? And then the servicer data challenges with, oh, when you do an MSR transfer, you get what you get, right? So how do you validate what's in, in those transfers and how do you make it smart and add intelligent automation to it? You have to have advanced modern technology um, to do that. And it's also important to look at it when you get an MSR transfer, is there any indication from in that portfolio that says there's an English language proficiency issue, right? So we all have to be cognizant of that from a, a key, key performance indicator perspective. What do, Are there any characteristics that you're getting in your MSR translations or you use the technology to tag those loans as, hey, this um, borrower is Spanish speaking or, or Chinese speaking or, or whatever their native language is we need. And you can automatically direct those borrowers to the right people in your um, SPOC organization. And by that, you mean single point of contact. Let's talk about servicing technology for a minute. During the Great Recession, a lot of servicers struggle to stay afloat. Is servicing technology better? As it, do servicers have more opportunities this time to improve their own processes for the future? 
I say 100%. I think we got into the business in 2007, right at the Great Recession. And what were we able to do, we focused on volume, velocity, and the overall visibility into what you're dealing with, which is what we just talked about in the last two questions. This is interesting in that I think we've come a very, very long way and that servicers are much more cognizant of their processes and, and how to make things happen with quality. I I would offer that the single point of contact initiative that we all had to implement during the Great Recession was a process improvement. And this is, and I know it was difficult, and I know there's a lot of negatives to it, but there's also a lot of positives to it because I believe that that Spock relationship can turn into know your customer, can turn into comprehensive views of that customer to look at all their processes, their history, and all the products that they use with um, our banking organizations or our non-banking organizations. I believe that Spock was a process improvement that helped the borrowers, but it also helped centralize intake of borrower communication. So I, I think that was a good thing. And I think we're all learning from it. And I think the that what it gave to us is that power of visibility into our, um, our own organizations so that you can actually see what you're up against and see the challenges, see the exceptions and mitigate those ahead of time. So I believe that we've come a long way and I, I just see and I hope that our industry will keep adopting the technology and enabling the technology to do the heavy lifting so that your users, your the processors within the, our servicing organizations don't have to work as hard at knowing all the different nuances and the complexities of what they're doing. They 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 rely on the technology to make it make it happen and display it in front of them instead of them having like what in the old days that you know we had those notebooks in our desk and said, oh for VA we have to do this or oh for Fannie we've got to do that. So the automation is embodying our knowledge, and I believe that it has elevated us, and it's also given us the capabilities to scale in the future. And guess what? We moved through the pandemic using a lot of technology in order to survive. If a mortgage servicer could use process automation to its full capacity, what would it look like? And, and I guess in a practical sense, what are the opportunities? I think that's a great question. The way that I would respond to that is the, I like the word seamless servicing. And what does that mean? That means that when you're working in a workflow application, you don't have to go out to the system of record. You don't have to go out to your data service providers and click on the website to find status. The full integration with service partners like your title partners, your fulfillment prop. Um, partners, your property appraisals, all, all of those ancillary insurance um, issues that we've got with the disasters, those should all be within the same application. So the users within the servicing organizations don't have to leave the application. They can click and they can see, okay, I got the title. Oh, okay, I didn't get the title. Oh, here's a disaster. Here's an appraisal for repairs. This is what I need to do to, to um, you know, manage the expenses associated with the FEMA requirements. So I think the visibility, come back 
to the visibilities. I think it's important. I think the servicing industry has an opportunity. The more integrated we get with all of the service partners, the more collaboration that we can have. And by the way, in these days, modern technology can take data and pull, pull and push data from many different sources all at one time. And like in the clarifier application, your displays automatically change as the data is coming in from different sources, which makes the users more proficient and more productive. So in some, I would say the seamless servicing um, no matter what you need, you need to have the approach to get the visibility and make sure that there's no handoffs, that it's all talking, everybody's talking to each other from a servicing perspective. And, you know, I think we have lots of areas where we can improve, and that's the number one area from, from my perspective, of course. And I want to close by talking about Clarifier. What have you been working on? What's on the horizon? What do you? What would you like to share with our audience? Uh, the the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Clarifier continues to stay ahead of the change, and we power problem solving and change. And we are also trying very hard to continue to comp to compress the complexities of servicing and make the outputs on the displays within the application. Make it easy to use no matter what department you're working in. So you, it, from a clarifier perspective, we've leveraged all the latest and greatest that technology can offer. And we're proactively integrating with as many service quality service partners that we can to bring them all into the application to make our customers uh, very happy. Where the other area that we really are honing in on is the whole Take the Spock example. It's the whole know your customer, but know your whole customer. It's kind of like what we want to learn in healthcare, right? Wouldn't you like to know that somebody knows everything about you? Well, from a borrower perspective in a um, servicing organization, it would be great to have the visibility that we offer to all the processes that have occurred, all the processes that are happening now, all the products that they have, the different ways that they use that servicing organization's products, and the ability to communicate with the borrower as a whole. So I think the know your customer, the customer retention opportunities, and the whole customer profile is really our focus between now and the first quarter of next year. Yes, and I think I think you've been at the forefront of modern cloud infrastructure, and and that positions you in an excellent place moving forward. Jane, thank you very much for making the time and talking to me today. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. When Bruce Springsteen sang "I'm Going Down, 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 Down," who knew he was talking about mortgage applications? Mortgage applications decreased 3.7% from one week earlier, according to data released this morning from MBA. Three finance index now sits 83% lower than the same week one year ago, and the purchase index is 23% lower than the same week one year ago. Quote, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate reached its highest level since mid-July. Mortgage rates and treasury yields rose last week as Federal Reserve officials indicated that short-term rates would stay higher for longer. Mortgage rates have been volatile over the past month, bouncing between 5.4% and 5.8%, said Joel Kahn, MBA's Associate VP of Economic and Industry Forecasting. 
In another sign that market volatility has picked up, the average rate on a jumbo loan was 5.32%, 48 basis points lower than a conforming loan. End quote. In the bond and stock markets, it seems that investors are beginning to realize the seriousness of the Fed's commitment to getting inflation back down to 2%. All signs point to another big interest rate hike in September, evidenced by solid labor and resilient household demand. U.S. job openings unexpectedly jumped to 11.2 million, and consumer confidence advanced to the highest level since May, even as the Fed steps harder on the monetary policy breaks. Without a substantive slowdown in consumer spending and easing a wage pressure, the Fed's job gets that much harder. Officials continue to reiterate their commitment to raising rates to bring down inflation, though they remain vague on how large any potential upcoming rate hike would be. We saw yesterday that the conference board's consumer confidence index rose to 103.2 in August, well above the expectations, and house prices continued to rise as well, with the S&P K-Shiller 20-city home price index up 18.6% year-over-year, and the FHFA house price index rising 0.1% month-over-month in June. The aforementioned MBA mortgage applications led off today's economic calendar, though we have also received ADP employment figures, which came in at 132,000, a downsized surprise. That comes ahead of August payrolls on Friday. Later this morning brings Chicago PMI for August and remarks from three Fed presidents, Cleveland's Mester, New Dallas Fed President Lori Logan, and Atlanta's Bostage. The New York Fed desk will purchase up to $386 million in Gini 2, 4% through 5% mortgage-backed securities from early paydowns. And as a reminder, the central bank is ending its purchases of MBS on September 14th. We begin the day with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged and the tenure yielding 3.12 after closing yesterday at 3.11%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What's the most useless college degree? One in history. There's no future in it. <laughs> Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I never wanted to believe that my dad was stealing from his job as a road worker. But when I got home, all the signs were there. <laughs> if you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, Search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.